how many of you have ever had the misfortune of telling your dad you were thirsty? Have you ever told your dad you were thirsty? What did you hear in return? Hi, thirsty. I'm dad, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dad jokes. With one of the persons of the Trinity being the Father, I feel like we just walked into this one. But seriously, we read this scripture this morning from our comfortable condition, air-conditioned pews, almost overly air-conditioned today, and we kind of think about this kind of triviality, like, hi, thirsty, I'm dead, you're not really that thirsty. This isn't a road trip with um, buckies all along the way. Um, these aren't whiners. Uh, they're not folk who, who really don't need what they're asking for. And we, here in South Texas, as South Texan Lutherans, should be even more compassionate than most. Uh, you can only live 100 hours without water, right? But in the heat of the desert, which is similar to South Texas summer, that's only 50 hours. And if you're walking in that heat, it takes it down to just seven hours without water. That's between now and dinner time. Not a great life expectancy. So being thirsty for our biblical ancestors was not something to mess with. They were not whining. If you said, hi, thirsty, I'm dad, that would have been really terrible, terrible joke. Well, which it might be a terrible joke all the time, dads. Sorry. It is, yeah. The ancient Israelites needed to get something to drink, or they would die. They were so vehement about it that Moses thought they might kill him. That's how serious it was. So when we approach the gospel and the talk of living water, we need to remember this. What Jesus is offering is life or death. Not life or death like fundamentalist preachers like to posit it when dangling over the flames. Not afterlife stuff. Life or death like how do you choose to live now? Do you expect to sleepwalk through your life? Or will you truly live it? Do you intend to live? Or will you take up space until you die? So as I told the kids earlier, I'm a five foot eight woman, and I'm almost nine gallons of water in me which seems like quite a lot. There's other stuff in there, of course, dust and blood, circulatory system, like all that kind of stuff. But all of them are made up of water. Mostly water. That puts a new spin to me on this living water stuff. Jesus is likening the reign of God to what we have to have or will perish, and what we are mostly comprised of, whether we want to admit it or not. When Jesus sat down, at Jacob's well, while his disciples ran into the city to get lunch. He did so to have a divine encounter and invite someone into the life that they can experience in God. A few things to notice when we encounter this scripture. One is that the woman is there at high noon in the desert heat. How many of you choose to, in August, do your chores outside at noon in Texas summer? Anyone? No, because you're not crazy and you're not unreasonable and you don't want to hurt yourself. Okay, so some people might have said they might do it. 
The fact that she was there alone at noontime and not in the cooler desert morning when most of the women in the community would have gone tells us something about how comfortable she felt with the other people in the community. This woman did not fit in. And yet, Jesus had the longest conversation with her than he does with anyone else in the Gospels. That was a long pericope, right? We were standing for a while to listen to that. And not only that, but he tells her he is the Messiah. What does Jesus usually say when somebody asks him if he's the Messiah or if he tells them he's the Messiah? Yeah, and don't tell anybody. Don't say it. Yeah, what do you say? Don't say so he tells her that he is Messiah, and he de- usually doesn't say that. And he talks even about telling people not to say it. So when he invites her to drink this wellspring of living water, it's pretty remarkable. It's an important conversation. He intentionally wanted this woman to be someone who told others about who he was. This woman was a Samaritan. That tells us that we cannot predict who the message about God's love and healing is for. Anyone who would have seen Jesus with her that day, remember, the the disciples came back and they were like, why is he here with her? But I love how how the the passage says, but they didn't ask, what are you doing here? (laughs) Why are you talking to her? She was a Samaritan. He was a Jew. They did not mix. And neither shared an affinity for the other. They did not share a religious tradition. She had a history of being judged by others and being ostracized from her community. Jesus did not seem to be affected by any of this in the least, but her neighbors might have been. No matter how you slice it, it does not seem like a great candidate to tell about the good news of Jesus. Seems like he could have chosen a more appropriate vessel, but he did not. He chose her. Jesus chose a woman when, in the first century, it probably would have been better to choose a man. Jesus chose a woman who was on the outs with her community, which he probably should have chosen someone who was more respected. He chose someone who was not even in the same faith tradition. Through all of these things we see, Jesus pushing us and reminding us He came for all. Friends, if someone who who has power is telling you they speak for God, be very, very skeptical unless they are saying things about justice and mercy and love and grace. Because Jesus chooses people on the fringes. Jesus embodies the weak. Jesus speaks to us through the hurting. The message of the good news of the reign of God comes to us from the outside. The gospel this morning begs the question, who will tell us about the good news this Lent and Easter? Who will show us the truth about God? Who will demonstrate to us the power of the resurrection? Where will we find living water? The answer will shock us.
over and over and over again, just like daylight savings. This again, we will want to recoil because we will think that it is an unworthy vessel. But pay attention because the news about the living water will come from unexpected places. Open your heart. Look, see, drink deeply. You can live for 100 hours without water in the right conditions. In the worst of conditions, you can survive for seven. But without living water, you're simply biding time until your death. You're a spiritual zombie, parched for grace, dry on love, devoid of what you need. If you were dying of thirst, would you care who gave you water? I don't think so. So listen with your heart. God is speaking to you in all kinds of ways that will set you off kilter, bring you outside of your comfort zone. We are in desperate need of that living water. Here in 2023, we are desperate. So much division, so much hurt and hatred, so much hurt, so much pain, so much suffering, and so much more. And it seems like every single day, we're given more opportunities to draw away from each other rather than to draw together. But Jesus, instead, offers us what we need. Drawing close to someone who we normally would ostracize and reminding us that we belong to each other and to God. Are you thirsty? Come, drink and never understand. Amen. Let's 